Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with my buddy, Patrick Free. So he's a GM now in carry optics, which we'll be talking about a little bit tonight. Uh, but he's not just a USPSA competitor, but he actually started in Steel Challenge, which is pretty cool, because uh, that is a great place to start. So Patrick, how the heck are you? I am still five foot seven up and breathing, so I guess I'm doing okay. <laughs> I like it. Positive attitude, right? Living the dream? Uh, you're looking down at the dirt, not up at the dirt. That's always a very good thing. This is true. <laughs> so um, early on in life, I'm curious, like, did you ever think that you'd end up in competitive shooting or that environment? Um, a little bit. I mean, I started, you know, shooting in the basement with a BB gun with my dad and then really learned how to shoot in the Boy Scouts. And it was like, uh, of course, teenagers with firearms, I, I can shoot a better group or I can shoot at a better distance. You know, you take a 22, take a little piece of plastic and put it nice and far out and who can shoot it first. So I guess my love for competition shooting really started there. Um, That's kind of cool. Going back to like, first of all, basement, where did you live? uh, I grew up just northwest of Atlanta. Um, You have basements in Georgia? Why? (laughs) Well, as, as some would say in Georgia, we call them naders. Okay. Tornadoes. (laughs) Tornadoes. <laughs> oh, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> Every now and again, sky go green, train come through. Gotta watch out for the neighbors. Um, so yeah, it, basements are real common, but um, so dad knew I was interested in it, bought a little air pump BB gun, put a target down there, we went through all the rules, and that's how I got started pulling a trigger. Pretty cool. Um Boy Scouts was actually, this is fascinating. So my dad was Boy Scout leader for my brother and my mom was a Girl Scout leader for our troop, right? The Girl Scouts don't do anything cool, but dad had the kids. Um, like, I mean, my parents are married and everything, but dad would take both of us on a Boy Scout trip. So I learned archery and how to fish and how to shoot because of Boy Scouts. Yeah. <laughs> archery. I actually have my dad's bow over there on the wall. Yeah. It's, um, I was lucky with who, because my dad being a retired army ranger, one of our other scout masters, being a Green Beret, um, actually Riverbend Gun Club, mm-hmm. that's where we learned everything. Wow. Small world, full circle. Oh, it's, we used to go camp there. We'd shoot on the rifle range, pistol range, shotgun range. That was, yeah, it's very weird to go back there for Georgia State and go, I've been here before. I know this place. <laughs> that's awesome. How many years had it been since like you had been there and then come back for competition? Oh God, it was probably 20 years. Yeah. And that facility is huge now. Yes. It was, it was rather large when I was in Boy Scouts. They were the only ones that had a thousand yard range in Georgia that I was aware of, but you're a teenager. You don't know shit anyway. So yeah, um, you can't do a thousand yards. (laughs) Those targets look big. Uh, Get a rifle and try. No, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Love it. So, uh, competition wise, did you go by yourself to your first competition or did someone like invite you or drag you along? Um, so I went by myself. I was looking on, um, we took a, my college, my alma mater, somehow we, we tricked them into starting a firearm safety club, Okay. which the school funded. Yep. 
However, it was not for firearms or ammo. It was for eye and ear protection and education. So anyways, a little range in Dublin, Georgia had a once monthly steel match um, shooting. I don't remember what stages we had like three or four stages. Um, the match director, she was probably 60 years old with a cane and set up everything by herself. Yeah. More power to her. She was out there doing it all by herself. And I showed up with a Glock 22 with Winchester white box. And I just thoroughly got my ass whooped. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just miss, miss, miss. Oh, wait, you're supposed to hit the steel. <laughs> no one told me before I started. But yeah, by myself, just drove over there, had a good time, met some really good people. And that really sank the hooks in with Steel Challenge. That's a really interesting story. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's weird. I know. It's strange. No, I like it. Uh, going, I did the same thing. Um, Ford State actually did have a shooting club, so we were able to shoot um, on and actually on the range and all that. Did you shoot an SCSA, like the Scholastic Shooting Association? No, I I wasn't shooting. Um, middle of nowhere, Georgia, went, where I went to college, it was the ranges were none of that was around. I wasn't even aware of SCSA until a couple years ago. I yeah. had no idea about Scholastic Steel, so. Yeah. And they're, they're whole different sanction matches for people now. Like, I mean, there's a lot more kids into it, which is pretty cool, but, um, I, I like for you for steel challenge, how is that a good starting place for new shooters? Like what skills do you develop from steel challenge that you can't get at other matches? Well, so everybody usually talks about the gun handling, the transitions, um, all that kind of stuff. The main thing for me was getting used to a competition environment with firearms. Mm-hmm. The, as we all know, when the neuralizer makes its noise, then our brain turns to jelly. Um, that's just getting that, getting used to that and still challenge. It was a great way for me to get over, okay, this is a competition. I don't know what's going on. Um, and then I started working on the very basics of, you know, grip transitions and what um, competition is actually like. And the main thing was the people. People yeah. and still challenge or in shooting, I mean, you know this, um, and any shooting sports are just amazing. So, yeah. And you see kids as young as nine now that I've seen handle firearms, clear malfunctions. Like it's amazing skills that you get developed really early on. And I think still challenge teaches you visual patience as well. And that going one for one on steel is faster than makeup. <laughs> uh, yes, that, that is the best theory. Um, oh, it is. Difficult <laughs> in practice for idiots. Um, I've shot with a four-year-old. When she shot Outer Limits, she couldn't move. The rifle was taller than her. God. It was it was Georgia State uh, three or four years ago, and her you know dad was putting the magazine in for her and everything. It was just, it, but she was a bullseye shooter. It was awesome. That is I mean, cool. Tiny little thing. Yep, yep. There's a girl. Was it Carly? Something like that. Yeah, Carly Chadwick. Okay, then that's her that you're talking about. Yeah, she shoots lights out now, and she. Oh, yeah crushes outer limits and even with a freaking iron sight pistol oh my god i've ro'd her before and i'm just like where'd she come from <laughs> she's a very talented shooter I've, I've seen her shoot i've been on squad with her several times now yeah. um at georgia state and world steel the most recent big matches i was able to see her shoot she's gone up exponentially within the last year and a half yeah. it, it would not surprise me to see her go to the very top of the sport um as a junior and teenager young lady it, yeah 
I hope she sticks with it. Yeah, I heard her in Texas and she won her division. I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's extremely quick. Extremely yeah. quick. Yeah. So, okay, transitioning over from Steel Challenge, like when did you actually find the sport of USPSA? Um, I saw it on Shooting USA and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, that looks really cool. I get to run around and shoot guns and there's reactive targets and, oh, they have big competitions. That looks interesting. Um, I had no idea the relationship between Steel Challenge, USPSA, anything like that. But um, I moved to Houston for work. And thankfully, there was a USPSA club 20 minutes. Um, who was that? I remember it about five minutes. But um, out there in Houston, uh, Paraland Shooting Club, PSC, excellent shooting club. Went out there, and they had a USPSA match one or two every month, IDPA, Steel Challenge, rifle, just. So that got my hooks in in 2014 of shooting USPSA out there. And, I mean, the matches would have 125 people there. Wow, at a local. At a local. It yeah. Would, we'd start at, like, 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock in the morning, whatever. We wouldn't be done until 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's still a short match. Well, I guess, um, coming from the three-gun world. <laughs> <laughs> For six stages for USPSA, it's like, yeah, I mean, you're looking at the bays going, if you didn't register in time, you, were, you weren't you were shooting. Oh, yeah. They sell out. That's oh, great. yeah. So um, did you still shoot the Glock 22? Uh, so, yeah, I, that was the only gun I could afford at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it got you Glock. in. It got you in. We can't diss it, right? It got me in. I had a Glock 22 and a Glock 27. And... Um, the 27 was a carry gun. 22 was the fun gun. And I was shooting steel challenge. And, uh, one of my buddies over there pulled me over to a different bay and said, okay, just shoot three rounds as slow as you can on a group. It was like 15 feet away. Just shoot this target as slow as you can. And first round was dead center. Sweet. Excellent. Okay. Take your time. Do another one. The other one was low left. Okay. Take your time. Do it again. Boom. Low left. What the hell is going on here? And he puts an M and P in my hands says now do it again on that target and like three rounds in a relatively good sized group he looked at me without a hesitation said you got the wrong gun stupid <laughs> i'm like roman that's not nice he goes i don't give a crap you've got the wrong gun you're anticipating living hell out of that gun so you need to get something different cool bro thanks <laughs> but it like we all do uh, i don't think this gun's right i'm gonna go to that gun yeah. I, I'm infamous around here for tinkering with my stuff. Oh, I like know. we all do. Yeah. So, I already got a new gun I picked up today and I've already changed out the entire buffer system. <laughs> I saw that earlier. I'm like, so heavy. what broke or issue fixing? That was when the firing pin snapped in half, but the bolt wouldn't take a new firing pin. So I think the bolt was out of spec because it wasn't running right before and firing pin wasn't broken. Long story short, I have a new bolt for that gun, but I got pissed off enough that I just bought a whole new gun, a better gun. That's so the old gun is now the backup gun. Yeah. You always need just one more. So just bad. one more gun. So bad. Uh, yeah. Sorry, digress. Um, <laughs> so what division did you shoot? Did you shoot production? Um, so like a lot of places do, I started in limited because I only had three mags. It's like, okay, we don't want to make it so you run out of ammo or anything. So um, I eventually switched to M&Ps and just 17 rounds, three mags, off I went. Um, good time there. Uh, I learned enough about 
USPSA, I went into production. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know this sounds weird, went to single stack. <laughs> Fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love 1911s. I can, like most of us, I can shoot yeah. them very naturally, even with factory ammo, no big deal. Um, so, yeah, just started with the usual suspects. Glock, M&P, Smith & Wesson, um, 1911s, some nice Springfields. Got lucky with those. So, oh. iron, iron sights are not my jam anymore. <laughs> you haven't noticed. We'll get into that. So, uh, I think limited though is the best place to start. Like, I don't think production is. I think limited is because you don't have to count rounds. You don't have to reload. You're not manipulating the gun 12 times like on a stage. You're just trying to shoot a stage yeah. and enjoying it. So, very much so. So, you're not going, well, uh, your first match, you're worried about all the rules yeah. the 180 and the RO. You're not worried about trying to do a reload, yeah. which you might not be very proficient with on the timer or moving. So, yeah, that's that's always my recommendation is you get three mags bro okay i don't care what they hold you're in limited what does that mean doesn't matter just go have fun <laughs> be safe <laughs> yeah keep the gun down range finger off the trigger we're good good yeah so when you started out do you remember what classification you started in oh gosh um i think i was unclassified or d for the majority of my time okay um you know, it was very common both in Houston and when I moved to Alabama and started shooting USPSA here um, to be at the very bottom 10%, you know, oh, I didn't finish last. That was, I wanted to work more towards the middle. Um, yeah. So I was probably like, like most of the USPSA membership, I was a middle classification shooter for a long time, DC, um, in there for a while. So, yeah. What switch did you make GM in carry optics? You never, you never made GM in like the iron sights stuff, right? Or did no, you? no, it was, um, so the switch, mm-hmm. the big switch was I went to 2018 world steel and I went and shot carry optics <laughs> with a gun that legality was questionable. Um, I learned <laughs> after actually halfway through the match, it was kind of a, it's okay. But, um, so anyways, after, and I distinctly remember you, you are very familiar with the bridge at Talladega. Yeah. Um, walking across that bridge with my, my range bag and going, that was a hell of a good time. I didn't do too badly. If I can find, you know, a group or a team and do some practicing on this and start learning some stuff, I can get a little bit better on this. Yeah. And that's 2018 world still is a very distinct moment in my shooting career when it was like, I enjoy this. I'm not good at it. If I learn, if I start trying to learn somewhere, it might help me improve my skills. And that was really the point at which I said, all right, let's get into this. It's neat. So when did you make GM and carry optics? Uh, it wasn't that long ago. The ink's still kind of wet on the card. I think it was uh, August or September. It was, people laughed at me because it was a couple weeks before Georgia State. Yeah. I'm like, it, so what, man? It's, you know, that's they're, for me. They're sandbaggers. It doesn't, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, you know, the, the percentage or whatever, that's, the classification for me personally is a point of pride. Sure. It's, hey, you worked, you did the work, and there it is. So, um, yeah. you know, some people might not know this. When you get your GM card, nobody, like, sends you a sponsorship package in the mail. 
or here's a free gun or um, start teaching classes. None of that stuff happens. It's, it's a, for me, it's a matter of personal pride to say all that work paid off. Cool. Now you got to go earn it every match. Yeah. So over that, like 2018 to now 2021, uh, what was like your favorite part about that journey of growth, I guess, in, in yourself? Um, so the greatest, well, for me, the greatest thing was getting behind the dot. I realized I could actually enjoy the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so frustrated behind a set of irons. It was, yep. but, um, <laughs> so when you I find a gun you love, I'll say this when you find that gun, like, Oh, I love shooting. This is fun. Yeah. And I was miserable for a long time until I found like my Atlas, like, Oh, shooting's supposed to be fun. <laughs> Wait, everybody else has smiles. Why am I the only one yeah. like, pissed off and want to throw my stuff in the dirt and run away? Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's when I when I put an optic on, it was, I mean, the first stage I ever shot with an optic gun. I still have on video. It was an all steel stage, and I didn't miss one round. On a, and the finishing target was a Texas Star, and I had to double tap one of the plates. But it was a dope. Um, but yeah, so the main thing, uh, the, the greatest thing about it was seeing that even though you think you're at the very pinnacle of your skills, that's a lie. You know, yep. There's still more, you know, there's still more you can pare down. Even now, there's a lot I know I need to work on. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nationals was a wonderful training opportunity for that. Um or wonderful learning opportunity. Just the second day I was just going, okay, I am where I am as a shooter. Mm-hmm. Now we'll get into that for sure. Um, oh God. <laughs> but okay, going back to making that switch too, did you have a different gun and optic when you started carry optics versus what you have now, or did you buy the gun that you use now? Yeah. So I started, um, as I mentioned, 2018, the, uh, legality of the firearm was not known to me um it was a sig 226 legion single action only great gun love that pistol still have it um i was not aware being very new to the uspsa game that single action only was not legal in carry (laughs) optics and finally one of our mutual friends drew coleman and dan mitchell were like um you're wrong look it up Looked it up, said specifically no. So I switched over to the uh, P320X5. It had been out for maybe a year, year and a half when that happened. Um, and that was a big learning curve. Because yeah. the, the way the grip is shaped, um, that that really started to make me have to pay attention to, you know, a polymer gun we all know is nice and light. The the two two six is alloy. It's a little bit heavier, but um, the P three twenty is a little bit lighter. And it's like, okay, I really need to pay attention to grip, recoil management, tracking the red dot. All those skills, those basic skills, that gun taught me a lot about yeah. shooting a red dot. Yeah. So moving on up, what what optic do you run now? Too that was my other question. Uh, so now, <laughs> um, I waited till after nationals. <laughs> little stroke of intelligence. I, I now have the endpoint acro on my pistol. Okay. What'd you have before? Uh, so this pistol is, um, and I, I spoke to the rep about it at nationals, but kind of weird. The situation is I did have a, a Delta point pro, but for the majority of my carry optics time building my skills, it, I was behind a Romeo one six MOA. 
I mean, great optics. Love those optics. I still have one on my my 22, my RFPO. That's a, uh, I bought that for fun. And next thing you know, I'm standing next to Casey Eusebio and Colby Pavlock and Nate Gibson going, oh, shit, I'm on the super squad. I don't know how I did this. But and then, of course, my gun breaks. So that's fun. <laughs> so take a drink. <laughs> Every time the gun breaks. This should be a Kenzie drinking game. Oh my Every time God. Kenzie's gun breaks. Everyone will be blacked out and be in the hospital together. <laughs> <laughs> now, why would that be? Uh. Oh, my God. I have a safe full of them. <laughs> They're fine. They're. I'm going to make art pieces out of them. Oh, uh-huh. oh, I literally just got a call tag for a shotgun that has to go all the way back to Houston. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, okay, back to, back to you, not to me. <laughs> We're not doing my <laughs> drinking game because I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I would lose. Um, so for for making GM, like, what did it take to get there? Like, what classes did you take? What were you improving on? Like, what did that look like that whole time period? Um, so I went from probably, like, a C or B class shooter to M class in about a year and mainly through dry fire. So the people who say you can't make GM through dry fire, um, I'll show you my classification and we'll talk about that. Um, I get to live fire maybe twice a month. Oh, that's low. Get up to, yeah. It's, you know, obviously like everybody else, ammo is very difficult right now. I reload primers or titanium. Um, but the process, it the classes I took along the way, I took a movement class a while back with John Vlieger, who, as we know, finished third nationals this year. Um, I've taken one class with you and one class at Dothan with uh, Travis Tomasi. Um, nice guy in practical shooting, by the way, if you don't know who he is. Entire world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, so those, I even asked him, I was like, what does mean Travis look like at nationals? It's like, eh, it takes a lot. People are shocked when it comes out. Like I would pay to see it honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's human. I was like, are you Jesus? Like reincarnated? Yeah. He might go frick. Yeah. Oh, I can't. It's nice. Guy. Um, so thankfully there's, you know, um, there's another good guy who um, comes down every now and again from the AMU. Um, Brad, and then the range owner here at Dothan, Dan Brad Mitchell. Balsley. Brad Balsley, yeah. <laughs> he, I've, I've been able to shoot with him a couple times. I mean, so many people have helped me. Um, Dan Mitchell has been, you know, we set up USPSA on Saturdays. And we usually, if we can, whether we're not too beat up, we'll try, try to shoot after we set up. Mm-hmm. So it's usually like, all right, let's do some drills, let's practice this. And Dan, being a very experienced competitor, would you know he'd, he'd help out a lot too. And um, Drew, every now and then, well, a lot would look at me and go, "What are you doing, stupid? Why are you doing that?" So a lot of people really, really helped me out and all contributed here and there. It's it's not like I picked up one book and did it myself. Yeah, I, I'm not gifted like that. You can't hand me a book on how to do something and I've got it in five minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of different dry fire. I mean, most of the Stoger books, um, the new range time from Salt Kirsch and Max Michelle. Um, you know, there's so many different aspects of people that I just combined into one. 
Yeah. Try to make find my way. Like like we all do in life. We're just trying to find a way that works for me. Yep. That I can be consistent on, but holy sh- was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel that. Um my weakness in like three gun stuff is, is rifle shooting. And like for probably six months, I just struggled so much on picking up the reticle and like understanding the reticle and math. But I had a really hard time with like scope. I don't know, black, like when it goes black in a scope. What is that? Uh, I know what you're talking about. I've seen it and it's like, I don't like that. No. It, and it was like cheek bulb was off and the riser in the mount, like just not set up to me. And like, I finally, I relief, all of that was a struggle. Um, so it takes a while. You got to figure it out. Cause not everybody sees the same. We have total different vision and we learn differently. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah. for, for dry fire, like what, what drills did take you to that next level? So when I first started dry firing, um, I'll, I'll tell people all day long. I've, I've those laser bullets you can buy 20, 30 yep. bucks on Amazon. I've torn up three of those, the rubber on the back. So, um, I had the iTarget app and I'd set the target up and I would do a hundred drills or a hundred draw shots until I had a group at, and I would just do a hundred until I had a good group on, on the target. And, you know, you can record all the shots, whatever. And then I would do like distance grouping. I would do reaction to the buzzer. I would just, the fundamentals are where you, you really gain a lot of your percentage, if you will, for a classification. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all know you can't go out there and shoot blazing fast if you don't even know what a proper grip is, proper sight alignment, sight picture, timing of the gun, things like that. So I just started out with, Working on the fundamentals, draws, reloads, transitions, um, you know, still struggle with those every now and again, like everybody else. The reloads on the new pistol are kind of kicking my ass, but, um, and I, tr- when I'm, when I'm actually dry firing, I dedicate an hour. I, I try to do five hours a week. Wow. So, I mean, it's, it obviously works wonders for me. I, I can't do it 15, 20 minutes a day and perform at a, a level that I feel is acceptable. Right. So, right. I mean, a lot you... of the Stoker drills oh, really helped. The Stoker drills, um, yep. looking at his books, I think I had um, Dry Fire Reloaded. I think that's what I have. I think it is. I have them somewhere in my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> and right I just put different tabs. Okay, what am I working on? I'm going to do this, you know, target transit, just all that stuff and put an hour in and on, on an hour in every day during the week. So how did you measure your like benchmarks though? Like, um, you know, people are like, Oh, I have an under second draw or I had a 1.5 now the 1.2, blah, blah, blah. Like, did you write those down and track them? No, I still don't do that. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's, it's one of those things that in your head you say, okay, I should do that because the guys who are finishing top 10, top five, top three, (laughs) Travis. Yeah. yeah, They do that stuff. They're like, I know I can shoot a 25 yard partial on a turtle target in with 0.8 splits. Cause I've done it 300 times in practice or whatever. I stupidly, I don't track that. Um, not stupidly, but it, it is a lot of effort like benchmarking that. Well, you know, getting a notepad out. I I've been doing that more recently after working with Travis, it's like, write it down. So you have a known quantity. Um, but it's not like I know I can do a, a transition in X amount of time or a draw. My benchmark for that is when I do dry fire, Mm -hmm. can I accomplish that drill in the time, in the part time I have on the time? 
So part time. So, that's still yeah. But do you don't you lower the part time over time? If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind that's, of are understanding that you're you're seeing an improvement. That's what I wanted to go with. So you can't yeah. just do drills to do drills if you're not being intentional about <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have a, a, a purpose, a goal, a reason of like draws. Um, one of my buddies, when I was out in Houston, he was like, your draws atrocious and you're athletic enough. We can work on this. And he looked at me and said, dude, I bet you I can knock half a second off your draw in five minutes. Hmm. I said, all right, Mike, you're full of shit. Let's go. <laughs> um, and we worked on just getting the hand to the gun. And literally the the part time was set to point three, so as we all know, that's the beat. That's it, and it was where your hands are to the gun. And that's yeah. all you have, and we did that until that became comfortable, that became repetitive, that became natural. Yeah, and then it was all right. Leave your hand right there. Now I'm going to give you point six from your hand being established on the gun to both hands together. Mm-hmm. And then okay, so we did that in point six, point five. You know, incrementally. Um, for me, that's the way I learned. Some people can just say, okay, draw faster. Yeah. You know, do it faster, do repetitions at high speed and figure it out as you're doing it. Yeah. I've done that. Lord knows I've done that. Just do the reload faster, stupid. Just figure it out at speed. Come on, stupid. Um, I find unless I'm really firing all, on all cylinders, that doesn't work well for me. Mm-hmm. I've got to break it down. I've got to get the muscle memory right. I've got to get the steps down. Um, as anybody knows, <laughs> um, I I read and watch a lot of uh, Max Michelle, a lot of his training aids. And Travis, you know, Travis talks about the same thing. Go slow, do 50%. Steve Anderson talks about the same thing. Do it at certain speeds to build the subconscious ability. Mm-hmm. And then once you've got that down, then work the speed up. Yep. Yep. It's all, we don't, what well, it's not muscle memory. I learned that that's the wrong thing to call it. It's whatever. <laughs> sure. But, has the word. <laughs> I call it, I still call it muscle memory for a while. When the, when the hand gets to the gun, it better feel the same way every time. Yeah. But I don't think that's the correct word. I learned that. <laughs> yeah. Fine. It's whatever. It's a thing. I learned stuff that second class. It's in I my notebook. Chris Sambizi, and I was like, Dude, he didn't have this. You know, this is different than the first class. He goes, "Yeah, this is stuff I'm learning too." I'm like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. Um, do you do like a scoop draw or do you blend or what do you do? Um. So we're getting to nationals, but um, <laughs> again, it's a learning point. Um, I had never really seriously given any idea to the scoop draw. I was always, uh, and I did the whole, you know look like you have a stroke kind of leave your arms there for a while and um if i put my wrist right here my left arm i did all that crazy shit for a while um (laughs) i I noticed the best shooters in the world their guns are in a natural position they look higher than everybody else's and their arms are nice and relaxed Mm -hmm. so i did that i I built a lot of i changed to that about six seven months ago um built a lot of proficiency a lot of comfort that way um i am now trying out the scoop draw okay um, because with the, the holster I've got now and the pistol I've got now, um, uh, last weekend we had a USPSA match, no dry fire with it. I said, eh, I'll run the scoop draw. Just see what happens. And my draw times were right in there with everybody. I, you know, I didn't stop and be like, Hey, what was my first shot? But yeah. when you play it back in your head, you're like, okay, eh, the shot was about on par with where it should be. So 
Did you get nine times out of ten though a perfect draw? Or did we struggle a little bit? Um I didn't have any instances where I brought the gun up and I was reshifting. Going, yeah, we're and on this acro, it's I mean it's a small window, it's a three and a half MOA dot, it's a small optic. It's like I didn't there's one time when I had to search for it a little bit, but after that it was I knew my hands were wrong, so but we'll see what happens with a scoop draw. If Mason Lane can kick ass with it, I mean, why not? Right. Okay, I have a question that I still understand. Um because I'm not a dot person too. Like dot I, I am on a PCC, that's a rifle, it's a totally different thing. But freaking handguns. How do you practice in dry fire, like presenting the dot to your eyes and, and not having to do that bobble search bullshit, you know? It takes time. It takes a lot of reps of doing nothing, but um, obviously there's a lot of different ways to break it down. One of the best ways I can recommend is just start with a high compressed ready mm-hmm. and then look at your target and just bring the gun straight out. Okay. And, you know, obviously, as you know, with an optic gun, it's it's not dot focus, it's target focus focus yep. and you have to embrace the walk the wobble with any dot yeah yeah it's never care. your body's never at rest so it's always going to move yeah if you're breathing it's doing this yep always moving and that kind of ocd kind of perfectionist that that bugs the hell out of me i want to keep it perfectly still and dry fire then die with it in your hand <laughs> yeah have a stroke because i'm squeezing the gun too hard uh-huh. um he 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 killed himself accidentally by causing a heart attack. Um, it just takes a lot of repetition. Um, one of the things I learned from Trace Decker at Nationals was people use the top a certain point on the top of their optic as a reference. Okay. The the corner or the twelve o'clock the twelve o'clock or where you know little things that they can pick up as the gun's coming up to see where their reference is. When you say that he's, you're looking at the corner of your dot and putting the corner or whatever it is on the target ish, or you're talking so about- as the gun's coming up into your peripheral vision, mm-hmm. coming up like that, you can start seeing the top of the optic, and it's like okay, if I see like the the corner of the optic is over here as it's coming up, I know that my window is not in the right place. Okay, little minute things like that. Um, you know, it takes for people who shoot irons, it takes anywhere from 500 to 1,000 rounds to get used to running a dot. Yeah. It's, I've spoken to a lot of people who have switched to it and they said, Oh, I hate this. I, I can't shoot accurately or I'm having so much trouble with it. I'm like, and usually the, the common error is you're looking at a dot, aren't you? Oh, How yeah. the hell did you know that? Yeah. Well, we all do when we transition from irons to a dot. Well, I did the wrong right thing, maybe. I don't know. But I did the tape over the dot very first thing, shot a whole match with it locally. It was really fun. And then just lower the dot, you know, brightness at that point. Because I have a, the Trigicon. It's a huge window. So when you take yeah. the window, like you're missing the A zone at some <laughs> Oh, yeah. Or steel target. <laughs> yes. I, I had the Romeo 3 Max for a while. And that window was, for me, it was like, okay, there's there's a red dot in there somewhere. <laughs> I, my index is not that strong. It's not that consistent. I can't bring it up, and I know it's always right here or it's always right there. I can't do that. I don't have that skill set. So the, the three max didn't work for me, so I sold it. Yeah. Where do you or what distance do you zero your dot at? <laughs> I got this question last weekend, too. Um, having worked in a gun shop and zeroed customers' firearms, I always start close. Um, five, ten feet. 
right at the A, no distance. Okay, one or two rounds, cool. And then I increase it. I just gradually walk back. Um, he, and most of his bays are about 30, 40 yards long. And I'll go back to the corner of the bay, the very furthest back I can get in that bay, and make sure that I'm still holding a relatively fist-sized group at distance. So I'll, I'll, I'll put the zero in, I'll adjust it at about 15. Okay. That's about the zero I use. Yep. Um, and last question before I go into nationals too, like what, what was the value of like getting formal training where like instructors pointed out stuff that you never really saw or thought of before? Like when they're analyzing you, like what can they pull out from students that is so valuable? If the student is receptive to it, um, there can really be no end to that based on the skill of the prof- of the uh, instructor. Um, you know, seeing all the people that I've shot with and, have been a, and a, you know had a chance to look at it and be like, "Hey, you're doing this. Did you know you're doing that?" Um, you know, that buddy, that that other experienced shooter looking at it, going, "Why is your thumb doing that?" or why is the muscle doing this? Or why are your feet doing that? There can be no end to it. I don't think if you if you ask any of the any of the guys in the super squad at nationals, any nationals, um, is anything you do perfect, they're all gonna, you know, unless they're BSing you, they're all gonna tell you no. I know I was a little bit off here, or, um, but that can be massive. Yeah. Uh, I've had several light bulb moments, obviously, through the course of this. I can remember Dan Mitchell gave me a, a bit of advice one day and I went, Oh my God. Like what, how have I not thought about this before? He goes, well, you can't see yourself shooting. I can't. <sighs> I feel like a balloon. This is stupid. <sighs> Do you remember what those aha moments were? Um, so yeah, one of them we we're working on. I think I was working on trying to get, bumped up or worked my way up to M class and talking about reloads. So we were shooting some transitions, whatever. And Dan watched my reloads and he looked at it. He goes, why are you pressing the magazine button with your left hand? I said, well, I got little hands. So when I, with the X5, I used to break the grip with my support hands off. And at the same, since I was already twisting the gun like that, I'd just go ahead and hit the mag release. Weird. Weird, or I would break my grip off, get my hand down to the magazine, and then press the mag release as my hand was on just weird timing. Yeah. And he's like, okay, here's what I want you to do. As soon as your left hand breaks off the gun and your fingers out of the trigger guard, hit the mag release. Just don't think about it. Just do it. Okay, bang, click, bang. And like I paused on the bay and I'm like, Holy shit, Batman. Like that that took like half a second off the reload. Yeah. Because I was doing two things at once by hitting the mag release and reaching for the magazine at the same time. So the gun was ready and he was back up on I just I holstered the gun and I looked at him. I'm like oh, yeah. I'm an idiot. And add add to, to Travis's class. I mean, what did he teach us about reloads? <laughs> There's a lot there. <laughs> Look. <laughs> You know, look the gun in, the angle has to be, you know, the gun and the mag have to be at the same angle. And um, I still have not tried his um, 
his swoop the mag in challenge and not scratch the side of the I can't do it. And I, like, well, yeah. I'll drag the shit out of that mag well. Um, Even the presentation of the firearm was a lot higher than like it was exaggerated, but it helps. Yeah, holding the gun very high in a, in a reload. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I work on that, I I have some difficulty with it. He and I have spoken about that. He's like, well, I think it'll really help you for your eyes and all that kind of stuff instead of coming down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to – I keep trying to do that, but we'll see. I mean, my mat, my reloads are where they are. Yeah. So I get more comfortable with this new gun, then we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so nationals. <laughs> Another drink. Here he goes. <laughs> all right. So first of all, um, what was your personal goal going into nationals this year? My personal goal was to finish top twenty. And we doubled that and a little extra, correct? <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. What, what nationals was that though for you? My third nationals. In carry optics? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's still brand new. It's thinking about top 20. Most of the people in top 20 have been shooting double, triple, quadruple, you know, years. Most. <laughs> Most. Most. The other ones are just like, they haven't even been born that long, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did... I mean, we'll talk about actual nationals, but leading up to nationals, like what did you do mentally and physically to prepare yourself the absolute most that you could for nationals? I tried to get out to the range a lot more. Um, I increased my dry fire um, on the days when I could, when my schedule allowed, instead of doing an hour, I do an hour and a half. Um, For a short guy with a little bit of waste, I can still run pretty quick. Um, So Personally, the match is not won and lost with if one guy is a dead sprinter, unless we have large distances. And those stages, the stage is really, yeah, you can probably outrun me in a, in a hundred meter dash, but can you outshoot me? But um, so I, I stepped up the dry fire. I stepped up the live fire. Um, I dedicated rounds specifically for live fire. You know, I probably, the week before nationals, um, I had a chance to go out there. I put 600 rounds in on different drills, different movements, um, you know, finalize the setup and all that kind of stuff. That was a interesting day, but really nothing major. Uh, the mentality of it was I'm going to go shoot aggressively and shoot my game. And if I do that, I, I'm pretty sure I can finish top 20. <laughs> Be drunk by the end of this. Um, <laughs> so, but but mentally, um, I'm gonna point it out. Your mental game on a stage when you bomb a stage is not great, and you carry it into the next. Yeah, um, like I said, I'm kind of an OCD kind of perfectionist. That's just my personality type. Um, I very easily carry it from one bay to the next. Now, I have improved greatly on that. Yeah, I agree. But <laughs> yeah, it's it was still there. Um, I mean, you saw that in the summer blast, um, but I'm always trying to, in the words of the great Jerry Mitchell, like, just leave it on that stage. Yeah. You got, you got a dumpster fire, leave it where it lays. The next stage is all that matters. Um, I'm still working on that as the mental game. That's one of the biggest challenges I have. Yeah. So, 
I've seen um, like Todd Jarrett this year. I can't remember maybe two gun nationals. His gun didn't work or something. So he's zero to stage and he still is in the top. I've seen, um, I don't know how to say his name. So I'm going to butcher it. Nate Staskowicz, whatever, zero to stage at Nordic Vortex and was still second in his whole division. And like, I mean, top, like it shows you how shitty us shooters or little peasants are, but no, the (laughs) one stage is not going to be a deciding factor. And if you can really like clear that and get it out of the way and just keep performing at your high level, then, you know, you're still in the game. Yeah. And that's, that's what I keep, you know, cause I'll think, well, I was out of position there or I didn't call that shot or something like that. I just, I get in that loop. Um, and on your stage, that was karma, by the way, I don't think I ever told you why, but that what happened to me on your stage was karma. Um, you know, shooting gods got back at me. So it was always right with the world, but, um, I mean, the mental game is something we all have to work on. Um, I read Saul Kirsch's book, um, not Saul Kirsch, with winning in mind. Lenny, yeah. Yeah, Lenny Basham. Um, that's a great book. I need to reread that and actually start taking notes yep. to apply to that. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, mental the mental aspect is difficult. I try to make myself just relax and know I'm not going to win. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm not one of those guys. (laughs) I don't know if I should say that. No, I'm not going to say that. Um, But I'm not going to beat, you know, Max, JJ, those, those big names. They just know how to shoot the game a hell of a lot better than I do. Yeah. And they're significantly better shooters than I am. So I wanted to go in there and perform to my level and not worry about it. And I did not do that. But how often do you actually give yourself like positive affirmations or come off stage and think about what you did right? Um, every now and again, and I try to force myself to think of the positives when I know that I did something positive. Like if I just perform to my stage plan, unless I know it was really a damn good execution, I'm not going to be walking around going, yay, good job. Um, you know, and a lot of people tell you that's important to build that self-confidence. It's just, it's not something I do. I don't know if it actually would help me, I guess, because I haven't tried it enough. But I do try to, and I have seen little perks here and there. Um, there's one stage last weekend in our house bay. Um, I knew I only had one chart. Mm-hmm. I went, I ran through the house stage and... The guy's walking through the tablet, and I'm like, there's one Charlie. And he looked at me and goes, how the hell do you know? I said, because I called everything but one. Everything was alpha but one. And he's he gets done scoring. He goes, yep, you were right. So I was like, all right, cool. I can, I can actually call shots there for one stage. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's badass. Um, I, was, I had a notebook now where I've had to learn to come off the stage and try to write positives. Like, like I, yeah. My buddy Ryan and I, we shot George State together. And other than two, because I came off the stage, like literally fired up, like this is the most fun I've ever had in my entire life on stage. <laughs> and then I came off stage 10 when I didn't fall on the rock boulder. That was stage 10. That was bullshit. Didn't die. Stoked. <laughs> so stoked. All the other stages though, I'd come off. I was like, ah, oh, I should have gone faster here. Oh, I missed that on the first or blah, blah, blah. And so like Ryan had to point it out to me because I didn't realize I did it. Literally my first words out of my mouth is something I didn't do that I'm mad about. Like after unload, show clear rifles up. Damn it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's not good to put that immediately in your head before you've even celebrated like the good stuff. Yeah. It's, 
I try every now and again. Okay, so immediately, personally, like if there was a, a bumpy spot or a gray area, however you want to term it, I start thinking about bats and, you know, did I, what kind of shot did I throw there? Um, did I know I threw a bad shot or that position was weird? Um, you know, I start trying to think about that. Sorry, dog interruption. Um, I think about that stuff. Um, but if I know I did something great, I try to put that in the head going, oh, well, I didn't just, I didn't get stuck on that steel. I thought about it and came back to it. So cute, doggo. Oh, my goodness. I love dog interruptions. <laughs> he's, he's 92 pounds of furry jerk. Love it. Well, you trained them, so yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they are a reflection of their owner, so that's okay. Right. Um, okay, so I don't know where we left off with that, but... Uh, mental aspects. Yeah. Uh, positive reinforcement. It's something I don't do very consistently or very well and i guess i might need to add it into the range back and see how it works might with the negative attitude over here calm down <laughs> okay all right so nationals uh 18 lovely stages <laughs> so what um what were like the, the stages that you struggled with the most that were kind of like a wake-up call to like oh maybe this i'm not ready for yet um, so the first day zone B, those small little technical stages, you know, it's like, you really can't get your engine going. You really can't be thinking about it. Um, there was two medium courses that didn't take a lot of, you know, they weren't very technical, weren't very difficult. Um, you know, I started out on, uh, 12 and that went okay. Um, but those little if you miss a reload just a little bit on one of those, look, I mean, you remember the four paper, four steel, mandatory reload on the table. Mm -hmm. You miss a reload on that um, or you bobble something, your percentage drops significantly. Um, wasn't happy with those. It's just little mistakes here and there. And I didn't, those those courses weren't large enough for, we, for me to start making stuff up that first day. Yeah. So, so about halfway through the first day, I said, all right, dude. It's a survival day. Get through it. You know, make sure it's clean. No mics. No no shoots. And the next two days are field courses. A couple little technical ones. Okay, but there's more points to be had the next two days. So finish your seven today and move on. So the other thing that you don't see um, is how often other shooters struggle with some of the similar stuff, right? So like you're you know, in your head, yeah, you're going to drop percentage. You're not wrong about that, but you didn't see like 90% of the shooters, even at the top level, they had the same problems too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It happens. Yeah. It is. It, so it's little things it's, and that's when you, in any division, when you start working towards the higher percentages or the higher end of the scoring game, it's the little things that separate those professional shooters. Why? That's why the professional shooters are very, you know, very high finishing shooters from the rest of us yeah. um so that table start one pick the gun up did the reload okay hit the four paper and when i went to do the reload i remembered at the very worst moment that my magazine my reload magazine was not in the first pouch it was in the second pouch now does that cost you very much <laughs> depending on the person anywhere from point one to point three but the mental aspect of 
you idiot. You didn't put it in the first. So now I'm, I'm thinking something negative like we were just talking about. Yeah. Before I then went to the steel and I had like four makeups on the steel. Yeah. And then I hear my brass hit the metal at the same time as I pull the round off and think, oh, I hit the steel. Had to represent and take the steel again. So it's those little mistakes at that speed just they just knock that percentage down significantly. So, yeah. Well, the other thing too, and, and that I don't want to bring this up too much, just saying like both nationals had DQs at a very high level. So sometimes when you're like comparing yourself to a high competitor, you're like, I have to beat them, I have to beat them, I have to beat them. I don't have a chance. I've already lost the match. Then they DQ and you're like, oh, maybe I should have not cared about that as much and just played my game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, as I go to more and more nationals, thankfully, um, I'd like to go to all the area matches, but it's, Financially, that's as we all know, that's a burden because um, I don't have enough time at work to work the matches to shoot them for free. <laughs> um, Not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, um, <laughs> I learned that. <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those things. It's and I started doing it at locals with several people's help. Of don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You're going to finish where you're going to finish. Um, you never know. You you might be. I can speak from personal experience. You might be Max Michelle on one stage. Yeah. Maybe even two. Um, now, does that mean you're going to be the next national champion? It could. So, I mean, I know where my short, I know where a lot of my shortcomings are. I'm still trying to identify the rest. Um, but yeah, I, I witnessed a guy on our squad DQ on the, strong hand weekend stage at an accidental discharge going between the boxes, which is obviously what everybody was worried about right there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I trained real hard on that to get that trigger finger out. So when you squeeze, you didn't accidentally hold, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's, if you go into a nationals and for most, for us, average everyday shooters, um, if you go into a nationals thinking uh, I need to beat, JJ or Max or one of those guys, um, a large percentage of us can't pull that off. Yeah. So go in there, shoot your game. And this is what this you were asking about the mental. This is what I tell myself is one stage at a time, good visual experience. And if you do that several times in a row, depending on the size of the match, um, and you're happy with your performance, you know, you know, you didn't fall or the fence didn't come down and hit you or anything like that. Not saying anybody in here falls, um, but little things like that. If you're if you're happy with your performance, then it's probably going to be a good result. Yeah. What were some of uh, your least favorite targets at that match? <laughs> I really didn't have any that because pretty much everything there, actually everything there, I've shot before at different majors. Um, so the. I, I know where most, where most people's heads are going. Stage 17, the partial swingers at distance. I shot flop this year. It was Shannon Smith's last match at flop as the director or uh, last match at universal doing flop. So we had those very same targets with regularity. So it was, I've been lucky with the experiences I've had at majors. Those were nothing new to me. It wasn't anything too foreign. Um, was it stage four? The L shape with the, the tough lean. L shape, um, yeah, something like that. And then it had the hoser um, classification, class, new classifier yeah. right next to it. Yep. Um, 
even that lean, that wasn't a hard lean. It wasn't a comfortable lean, but it wasn't an impossible lean. Um, but really nothing there that I look at and go, oh, shit, I've never done this before. Right, yeah. When you're when you're on the circuit enough, um, yeah, you'll see most everything. Maybe yeah. not on the regularity scale to prepare you, but yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, 17 also had those really long targets from the corners behind the barrels. But they were open targets. So it's yeah. like, now, the one I should have been more afraid of um, was one of Shannon's stages up there on Zone C with the bobber in the middle where you had to finish the last three targets with weak hand only. Yep. Um, I probably should have trained that a little bit more because on the last target, I mean, when I got in that position, I searched for the dot for probably three seconds. Yeah. It, and it was just because my grip. And when I went to the far target, it's like, oh, God. Um, when the dots on the on the brown, I'm gonna squeeze twice and see what happens. Right. So, right. Huh. um, but yeah, those I probably should have given more respect to those. Sure. So, what did what's your list? I guess for like what you need to work on post nationals. What did you come up with? The main thing was, and I realized this Saturday or Sunday, second day nationals. Um. My main weakness right or that day at least was shooting points at speed. Okay. Because I, I can run a stage. My stage times can be right up there with some of the fastest shooters, some of the best shooters. I can be within a couple seconds of them, you know, whatever. However, at those same times, they're throwing 10, 15, 20% more points than I am. Yeah. I mean, as we all know, in minor – one delta on a hundred and thirty four hundred and thirty point field course is that percentage drops real quick. Yeah. Because you almost missed. How about you hit the center next time? Um so the it's a combination of uh bad grip and visual patience mm -hmm. of not being able to shoot a lot of alphas very quickly. Um so that's that's what I'm working on in dry fire is Building better visual patience, more grip, and a more consistent grip to actually shoot, you know, 90, 95% of the points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on the ammo can stage? Didn't bother me at all. It, when I looked at it in the matchbook, I was like, oh, God. You know, originally, I looking at the, the matchbook, the, the shooting area looked small enough. I was like, I'm just going <laughs> to chunk that damn can. And if it breaks, I, maybe I saved everybody a little bit of trouble. Um, but then walkthrough day, we get up there and it's like 50 yards. Okay, yeah. One, it's, oh, this is too heavy to chuck. It's yeah. not going to go very far. And two, it's Shannon looks at me and goes, yes, yeah, 33 yards, bro. Go ahead. <laughs> Damn it. So, um, you know, I saw all the different ideas. Like one of the things, um, it just so happened, you know, everybody was focusing on that stage. So Max was up there. A lot of the, all the other shooters were up there. I saw several of the guys, like, put it on the shoulder or tuck it up like a baby or whatever. Um, I had the crazy idea of sticking on the magnet, see if that would help. It didn't work. <laughs> get, it didn't – I didn't even think about that when I actually shot it. You know, I just left it hanging yeah. and held tight onto it. And, you know, the sympathetic response there was good because good tight – firing hands good tight sport hands sure. and the main thing i wanted to prevent from that can was it to swim yeah yep 
at, at least to the point where the gun, you know, they're, they're starting to do that pendular shit going, okay, this is not good. Yeah, um, the only big problem I have on that stage is after I dropped the ammo cannon and I did a reload, I went to the first mini popper on the left and I saw what I thought was the color red. And I, <laughs> in my head, you know how the stage, you run it in your head, you're like, oh, it wasn't that many. I thought I put two rounds at it, maybe three. Watching the video, I shot five damn rounds at this target and then went, okay, grip. Hey, there's the dot. <laughs> and still had a miss on the right swing. Ah. Because it was then looking right into the sun and the dot was up too bright. So it's, yeah, I think there's a target there. So, yeah, okay, I'll put two at it and move on. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the time was good. It was 20 something seconds. And I'm like, dude. That's going to be like a four something, a five something hit factor. I'm like, is that good for that stage? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a large, it's a large stage. Like, yeah, that's that should be pretty good. And then, oh yeah, Charlie Mike. <laughs> Thank, cool. So I, I didn't mind it at all. I, I'm, I didn't like my my performance on it, but I think it was kind of a had it get had the can give me more issues. I probably would be like. Oh, that, that stage sucked. Right. Um, I didn't overthink it. I just held on to the thing. Shot strong hand. Thankfully, the targets were close enough and open that it wasn't like, oh, no. It's a partial at 20 yards, and there's a no-shoot there. <laughs> I'll probably drop the ammo can and, you know, two hands. So yeah. there's a good mix of this is not easy, but it's also not so difficult where – I mean, the whole point of nationals is any any classification shooter can show up, finish the stages, and enjoy themselves. Yeah, you know, it's not built just for the top twenty shooters in the country, yep. or you know, the majority of the USPSA membership, B class to D class. It's not built for any one or the other. So, sure. um, you know, performance wasn't where it needed to be, but it was okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, you mentioned like. You've seen uh, Florida Open stuff because obviously those were Shan Smith stages with the bobber, with the ammo can and all of that. Um, other than that match specifically, like what are some other local matches or, you know, area sectional match matches that actually prepared you for nationals? Um, thankfully, we have a couple of evil geniuses down here. Um, like I said, I've, I've mentioned Dan and Drew before. Um, those two can come up with some stuff you, you walk up and you're going i i know these guys you know we hang out all the time and i'll look at them and go what in the hell is wrong with you you know what i like it let's do it <laughs> um you know just some stage plans that they come up with and ask them why they're doing it when was the last time they saw a shrink things like that <laughs> and they'll say just because right now, logically, if I if I had to answer in court, I, the answer we will provide is to prepare shooters with a better shooting challenge. True. And Georgia State Steel, I'm standing there. I'm, I was CRO in Outer Limits, and a guy was talking to another shooter. Um, the shooter's name is Greg. And I won't say his last name because I don't know him too well. I don't want to put him out. Anyways, he said, if you shoot USPSA and you live in this area, you need to go shoot a Dothan Gun Club. Mm -hmm. um, because there's a good mix of shooting challenges that those two psychos come up with. Hmm. So every now and again, we'll have a 40 yard open or 40 yard partial or partial swinger or 
Um, and it's with consistency um, that we that those two work it into stages. Yeah. So we get we'll throw ipsic turtles out there. You know, one stage, maybe two stages a match. Um, we're not doing the easy classifiers. So, like I said, those two evil geniuses come up with some good stages that are not easy. Yeah, I like it. It's important. Yeah, it's important. So you don't just show up and you stand in one area and there's 10 targets, shoot those, okay, reload, shoot those, and then move to this target and shoot a, a Texas star. Yeah. Um, those two are very gifted with their stage designing abilities and their ability to torture shooters. Mm. Like it. <laughs> so speaking of English, uh, evil geniuses here, uh, I want to talk about Endless Summer Blast because uh, that match just gets better and better every year. So. For those that don't know about it, um, can you share what that match is and who runs it? <laughs> um, so Dan Mitchell, Drew Coleman, like I just said, the evil genius is there. Dan started that match. I'm not exactly sure when. Um, Andy but would. But it's... <laughs> what? I said Andy would totally know the date and time. And yeah, he, he, he probably would. He, yeah. And he had pizza for lunch that day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he so Dan started that as a... Thank you to his shooters. It's, it's, you know, there's a bunch of prizes. There's really, I mean, for a local match, the prize table can't be beat. So um, it's a thank you to his local shooters because that's his club. He's built it from nothing up to what it is now, and it's growing and expanding. Clubhouses getting, fun, you know, finished up. Power's getting put in there. He's putting more competition days up. So, um at some point, his goal is to be able to host more majors. Um, he's had the sectional there three times, I think, three or four times. That's coming back this year, yeah. Yeah, so he's hosting it again in March. But So it's it started with Dan doing it, um, and as Drew got more involved there, literally in all aspects of running a major match, um, Drew designed all the stages this year, and you know they, they split those duties up together. Um, Drew is taking the match director position for the Alabama sectional next fall or next spring, excuse me. And it's kind of like Omni Omni VOR. Um, you know, being a local guy, I help out. I try to help out as much as I can. I try to be there every weekend and set up, but if I'm not at work or, um, at a match, um, I'm always out there helping set up with the USPSA match, but yeah. And the summer blast has been getting better and better and better. This was my fourth year shooting it, and oh my god, is it, it, it he's been making it more and more fun. Um, last year sucked because it was raining, so it was like, put the bags on. I remember okay, that. Stop. Take on. the bags off. Yeah. Put them back on. Oh, wait. Hey, Patrick, you have to reshoot. Why? Because <laughs> there's six holes in this target. You only shot it twice. Oh, <laughs> uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. So for those that don't know too, um, it's a level one match. I know you kind of touched on it being a local, but it's ran like a level two pretty much. Um, one in 10 guns are given out. And I think he did 110 spots this year, right? Yeah. He had so much demand this year, which is surprising with the ammo crisis, the ammo prices and prices and all that crap. Um, and more people are, are aware of the match now. Um, yeah. So he, he increased the capacity. Last three years, it's been 
at a hundred and the waiting list was like maybe two or three people. Um, and they usually got in. So it was, it was very good to see that demands. Um, it's 10 stages one day with barbecue, excellent barbecue. And I think he's done it the last couple of years, had the same barbecue guy. Um, afterwards is last year. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always good food. Um, awards and gun and gift table and all that stuff is afterwards. Um, yeah, like I said, it's it's run like exactly like you said, it's run like the level two. We build it to level two standards. Um because that's something we've started doing in the last couple of years. The group of us, Dan, Drew, Dale, and myself, um, is we want to run these matches just like you would see at a major match. Yeah. They don't show up to nationals and be like, well, that's what we do at the local. Right. Oh my god, it's the worst phrase out there. It's I've seen that happen twice at World Steel. Yeah. Um, first stage of the day, a shooter this year and one last year or the year before without ever firing a shot got DQ'd. Um, and when he was when the shooter and his buddies were arguing with the CRO and the RM, it was we do that all the time at our local. Ugh. And flat out said, "Well, your local's wrong. You guys don't know your rules." He's DQ'd, and if you two keep arguing, you're going to be DQ'd as well. Have a nice day. Yeah. Jeez. So we try to, you know, build and run the matches exactly as you would see at a major. Yep. So you don't have a learning curve. You don't show up and say, well, that's no big deal. We do it at our local all the time. Right. Okay, let's still unload and show clear, please. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and then, like, that's kind of a prep for nationals because the weekend before – um what was like your favorite stage for endless summer blast that was set up probably what 99 percent of everybody else is gonna say Dude house oh god no oh, i find that so much fun that that stage all, hurt all steel so yeah one in ten yeah the all steel stage was was fun um again being a steel challenge guy i was like bring it um yep. the shoot house hurt that actually hurt when that happened um and what I'm talking about, those who weren't there, is it's a metal frame door. I pulled the door a little bit too quickly, engaged three targets, running back through. The door was closing. So I shoved the gun through the door and pulled the door with my left hand. And as I did that, squeezing my fat self through the door, I hit my magazine pouch on the door frame. And you can hear it very loudly go bang and fall off. We weren't sure what it was. Yeah, Drew and, and Drew's on the timer, and my buddy Billy is standing behind. They both stop, going, oh, shit, that's a magazine. Hmm. He might come back for that. Yep. Thankfully, I had, a, you know, three three patches. I got another mag, but um, hmm. it yanked my hips so hard. Oh, that hurt. I got yeah. done and finished. It was like, ugh. <laughs> I like that, that one. That did feel good. Those are, yeah, those are my favorite. Uh, all Steel was something, like, when Drew was putting up stages, I was like, dude, you have to do it. I don't care what people complain about. Let's do it. Sounds fun. Oh, yeah. It was. Yeah. It's. Those are burn. You do it right. Yeah. If you do it right. And I told him, I'm like, dude, you should run it like the program. He goes, okay, jackass, you're, you're like one of two or three shooters that'll be here that have actually shot in the program. So, no, I'm not running it like the program. I was like, you're no fun. I thought you were the evil genius. Come on, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And Drew, I mean, he's. Probably one of the best match directors and stage designers is the Mississippi in it. Yeah. Don't don't tell him that. I know. He knows. He should be. He's so humble about it and he doesn't want to move up or, you know, do more. And I'm like, dude, I'll nominate you for whatever. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's funny the, the the directions he and I have taken. We both come up in the sport at about the same time. Um, we started student shooting steel challenge together. Um, I watched him DQ a guy, and we started talking about it. And then, um, so we've he's gone more on that side of staff and designing and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going more on the shooter side. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, don't, don't tell him he's, he's a good stage designer. <laughs> nope. He can't know. Oh gosh. Uh, all right. So coming towards the end of this, I have a, I have a question for, for new people, like new people listening or people that are wanting to get started in that carry optics division and take it seriously, kind of right out the gate. Right. Um, yeah. Let's say three. What are three things you'd recommend them to do? Well, that's that's a tricky one. Um, find somebody knowledgeable. Number one, um, we all know that shooter that uh, get your hits. Okay. Um, that's. Anyways, we we've all been there. Obviously, again, the the first answer is. Know your firearm safety rules. Know the rules. If not, get to the match and ask somebody first. Yeah. Carry optics is overwhelming at first with the dot. You have to have patience and give it time. Yep. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, you can't just pick up a, a red dot optic and have a, an enjoyable experience with it. So know the rules. Find a handgun that works for your hands. Um, you know, Please, for the love of God, do not go out and spend four grand on a pistol that has an external safety and show up to USPSA and say, ah, I'm ready to go. Ugh, yeah. You're an open. What? You're an open, but it's it's cool. We, you know, we'll take um took me a very long time to learn that my first chosen pistol was not the right one for me. That's a different story. Um right gun, right optic, and then third one is be safe and enjoy. It's if it's something as, you know, like most of us, if it's something that you really enjoy and you want to keep doing, not everybody wants to say, oh, I'm going to make master or A class or GM or finish at this. That's not for everybody. This is a this is a sport that should be shot for fun. Yep. Yep. If you lose that, then reassess. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to um, reassess. Thankfully, Dan put up some hoser stages last weekend so it was just like dude just let the gun run track the dot and have some fun nationals are over bro you got a year gotta take a break yeah just put some ammo through the gun didn't even worry about filming it i said um i know this sounds kind of ooh, look at me but i was like i don't give a shit i threw a mic no shoot on a class fire i pushed the speed and guys like you know you hit a no shoot yeah then don't care yep have fun yeah, it ain't gonna count, man. I'm having fun. I'm, you know, so I like it. it USPSA is full, and still, any shooting sports we all know this is full of some of the best people on the planet. Yep, they'll hand you the shirt off their back. Um, I have literally seen shooters show up and go, "Well, I'd like to shoot, but I don't have a gun." Oh, I've got a gun. Wait, what type is it? I got a holster. Oh, I got a belt. I got mag pouches. Wait, I don't have any ammo. Oh, I've got ammo. I've got mags. Yeah. Shooter, she showed up and within 30 minutes she was fully kitted out, ready to go. Night, she was just planning to watch. Next thing you know, she's shooting limited division. I like it. It's pretty fun. So, oh yeah, it's whatever can get you into the sport, help the next guy out. That's that's what matters. 
Well, Patrick, any final thoughts you want to leave listeners with? Oh, gosh. Um, Carry Optics is open poor. I, I know this. Um, help the next shooter out. You know, help the next generation out. That's the only way our sport's going to grow. Vote like our gun rights depend on it. And be safe. It's beautiful. Well said. Uh, <laughs> I think not to end a podcast better than that. That was awesome. Magic. Yeah. Well, how can people uh, follow you online on social media? Um, so really the only thing I do for shooting is, uh, my Instagram free underscore X five, I believe is what it is. Easy. And then easy. So yeah, easy to remember, but people are like, Oh, you don't shoot the X five anymore. Well, it's fine. But anyways, um, and then I'm not really very active on Facebook, but Patrick free on Facebook. Love it. Thank you again. Thanks for coming on. Um, we'll both work on a mental game and find guns that work for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I think I might be there with this. There you go. I think. CZ? I, I think. Oh, yeah. Shout out to... I think I'm actually at the... It works consistently how I want it to point. It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, enjoy your break after Nationals if you're listening and you went there. And, uh, yeah, see you next year on the range. Oh, yeah. See y'all. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gun Kenzie.